This is the Unscripted Podcast. All right, we should be live, Bob. You with me? Hello, Bob. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, you weren't with me here. I'm just making sure. You know, we got we got uh, intern Allen over here this morning. You know, being all these kids are 20 years old, 25 years old, but. They got they got to run all the way down to Mobile to have a meeting together about the college retreat. You know we're, right. you, you know us two hicks are doing this from, how far is from here to to Winchester? Six four hundred miles, maybe three hundred fifty miles, something like that. Yeah, it's five hours forty five minutes in yeah. a car. Yeah, we driving uh, driving this speed limit. You know we figured out how to do this remotely, but these all these kids that are twenty five can't figure out how to do it. You know, I figured they they'll be together. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they just want to. They want to the the. You know, they meet in coffee shops and take pictures of their ink pens and show each other their socks and stuff like yeah. that. You know, I was doing uh, which we got guest Gary Bennett on today, so welcome back to the podcast, Gary. Thank uh, you, Bob. Yeah, thanks for coming. I welcome you, even though Chris won't. So well, I was going to. I just wanted to pick on Ben a little bit I since mean, he wanted. He's only sitting right beside you, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, that's all right yeah. he gave me some deer jerky this morning so it's okay there you go <laughs> yeah see? a lot better hey i expect my deer jerky to be in the mail so it's in the mail the, can, sure you, can you mail can you mail meat i don't know how that works oh, we can, we, you can try go ahead yeah. and try the i'll vacuum sell you a pouch and send <laughs> it to you in the mail and when it goes to the scanner thing it's gonna look like a bag of pot that i'm sending you right. up there yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. so <laughs> yeah Hey, uh, so you talking about these young kids and kind of technology uh, with with those things? There was a I'm doing jail ministry, and uh, well, I'm sitting there talking, and every time that that I'm in a in a pod or whatever, there's a guard that'll come through and in a what in a what, what were you in? In a pod. What's like that? In a in a huge uh, place where several jail cells are. They okay. Call it a pod. Okay. Uh, for and us so, that aren't criminals, Bob, we don't know what that means, you know. What I mean? Yeah, right, right. So there's like, so one pod may have like uh, ten rooms in it that would have two guys apiece. So, and then another pod might be open and have like a bunch of bunks in it, and then a kind of a common area. But I mean, in jail, everything's pretty well common area and a lot of things. But uh, so a guard will come through and he's doing walkthroughs, and this is kind of how things have changed over time. You know, used to you could trust a guy that when he said on the on the logbook did a walkthrough two forty five a.m. You know, all cells were checked or whatever. Well, people trusted that log. Well, now they have to walk with a sensor, a little, uh, like an NFC tag or Bluetooth tag yeah, or something. Yeah, a little Bluetooth tag or something like that. And so he has to go up and he has to scan three spots on the wall inside of that pod. Uh, in order to to have the, the so that just shows that he actually walked through a systematical pattern uh, inside of the jail for his walkthrough. It logs his walkthrough, and uh, and you know, so there's there's all kinds of technology that's out today, and you would think, surely to goodness, I mean, as much technology as Ben knows that, surely to goodness, I mean, they could, you know, they could they could probably. AI each other, you know, and it's like, hey, I'm <laughs> an not gonna, avatar. I'm not show up in the meeting. I'm not going to show up at the meeting. I'm going to uh, type in what I want to say to Chat GBT, and then it's going to put up a hologram of me. Right, right. You know, I wish talk. we could do that. It wouldn't it be so awesome if we could like 
avatar being in in like a tutu or something like that, you know? I don't know how awesome that would be. I just think that, just think of the ratings. <laughs> well, I had heard years yeah. ago that they had a holographic style show where the models, there was no live models. It was just holograms who walked the floor. Wow. wow. Well, they weighed the same. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right. So Gary's with us today, and uh, you know Gary's a real treat to to the brotherhood, and he's a special treat to us to be here. You know, we brought him in this weekend at KW. The we're talking about you know the you know the, for the last four years we've been spending. You know, when you was with us, Bob. You know, we we were real pointed with the ways we wanted to grow and purposed and all those things and. And each year was kind of a scale back, you know, to where some of this stuff finally becomes self-governing, you know, as a fam- you know, each family becomes, you know, self-governing and self-sustaining. And so this year we thought we would just focus on the parables at, at large, you know. So each week one of our men are teaching from the different parables on our Wednesday night Bible class. And, you know, what, what uh, we wanted to make sure that we kind of seared in our mind as early in the year as we could was what – what is so special about these parables? What's so special about us understanding these things and how then do we accomplish our goals, task, you know, or whatever from the 21st century, from a first century perspective, you know, what is it, what do those parables tell us and what is it, the things that we can learn from them? And, and, you know, so we had a little Q and a session last night here at KW with Gary and it wasn't like stump the chump, you know, it was just asking questions, you know, just trying to help us, polish some of those things and so people are texting in questions and stuff like that and um you know one of two of the questions that two of the things that you know sparked my interest was you know we ain't got time for this one but i just want you guys to go back and listen to the to the lesson yesterday at the kinsman west church of christ and you look it up on youtube and listen to gary's lesson about the 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 zeet zeet the little the tassel that jewish men wore and man it's just an awesome thing and and just you know, I, I, the 12,000 snails, just that's your that's your nugget. You know, just go figure out where 12,000 snails come into a blue tassel at. And so. Mm. And so that, yeah, that would have been from uh, February 11th, if you're looking for a date. You know, yeah, 2024. Yeah, February 2024. Whenever you're listening to this podcast, you can go back to KW. And it'll be, that would have been one of the live streams, right? Yeah, yeah, it would have been a live stream. The, uh, so, yeah, the, but, you know, there were some things that bubbled up and, you know, there's some things that, you know, like you think about this idea of, um, you know, Jesus tells a time of story, like a man went out to sow seed and he just mm-hmm. explains that, you know, some places that seed falls, it just doesn't, it never achieves the results that it was after. Right. And so we all understand this kind of seed principle and it's, it's not that it was um, something that was so complicated or complex that, that anybody anywhere, anytime could understand. But, but there's just some yeah. things about, the scriptures that the deeper we understand them, the more it really brings alive and it kind of strengthens our convictions. Yeah. And a couple of those things is we, we were blessed to have Gary on before and I don't know when that, uh, link is, uh, what maybe we can get Alan to go back and research when we have uh, Gary Bennett on before and he can put a link on in the description of the, this one you know here's the funny thing something to search for alan has no idea what you're saying about him right now he can't he 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 doesn't have the headphones on over here so he has no idea just one so y'all laugh on three okay one two three (laughs) (laughs) yeah so alan thinks i'm joking about him oh no we really we love you alan young laugh at that one too if you want but no he said we love uh, you alan (laughs) so uh, alan will understand what i'm saying so 
No, but uh, but but so Gary talked about, and I've used this. In fact, I, I've used this recently. Just the the widow that had, you know, when she had when she wore that band with the ten, you know, with the coins, that was her livelihood. And so when she would have, you know, if there's a widow or a woman that lost ten, you know, that lost one of her ten coins, she swept the house, and that you know the meaning behind that and. All the the Jewish kind of cultural meanings, um, Gary. We we just want to we want to hack into your knowledge today. To, to so here's the question that. we want to talk about. You know the and maybe you can phrase it a little bit different, Bob. Or, you know, just so we everybody understands the question I'm asking. You know, we understand what we think discipling means today, and not that we've got it wrong to some degree, but. What what would that have involved somebody in Jesus's day? You know, there's there's quite often the the disciples referred to as it could have been that 120 that's in Acts, you know, one. You know, after the resurrection, there's only 120 left. That that could have been the disciples. You know, sometimes the apostles, you know, are referred to as the disciples. You know, as they're as they're mm-hmm. sitting there because you know you can be both, right? But you can't be but one. You know, apostles was was a different scenario so you know maybe help us understand you know the idea of the of disciple where did it come from because you know there's a lot of things in the old testament that just aren't in the new testament you know there's there's a lot of words we use rabbi sabbath day's journey you know all these are are new testament intertestamental period constructs you know the period after second chronicles and malachi was written to the to you know the the coming of the messiah you know the birth of jesus right. you know when they when they begin to chronologize right his story then you know there's words that that kind of bubble up in the first you know the the new testament that aren't there so disciple is is one of those words that kind of is a is a new testament construct now the principle you know has as of discipling of course it's it's an age-old tradition right but but it was something specific in in their day what would it have meant and where did well, it come from you have to understand in the new testament when you have the word disciple it's used in a general term when it talks about the masses, the disciples who followed Jesus. So that could have right. been who? That could have been part of the sixth or the part of the ch- John chapter six. The five thousand people. Five thousand. The, the, the four thousand or whoever. The fish sandwich crowd. That's it. That could have been part of them because it talks about the disciples. So many of his disciples walked with him no more. Right. Right. John so, six. Yeah. So you have the the understanding that it can be used. You know how person uses the word Christian today. Right, it, it's a whether we're talking about Christendom. Yeah, that's an umbrella that just concludes everybody. Right, right, or whether we're talking about what does the Bible say a Christian is. Right. Now, a disciple, if we're going to draw a strict usage of the word, and now what I talk about strict usage is a word that there's no question about how it's used. A disciple was one who came to the rabbi, a person who come to the rabbi, and offer and desire to follow after him. Now, one of the things you have to remember, and this is, uh, I think I shared this with y'all yesterday, that in the first century, rabbis were traveling itinerant teachers. They would go from place to place. They were not wealthy by any means. They were very poor. They so was that respectable? Or or was it, um, you know, because like I think about some of these things like, you know, I was reading Colossians 2 early this morning, and you know, Paul was talking about, because, you know, because I want to interrupt you on that a little bit, that's if fine. that's okay. Yes, you know, the, 
You know, whether you want him to or not, he's going to. <laughs> like, like when somebody says, "I'm sorry," I hate to interrupt. Yeah, like, I'm no, sorry. you know, but <laughs> no, you meant not. to. You know, so you're not really sorry. You know, it's it's a yeah. it's an etiquette thing. Right. You know, please forgive me. I'm not really sorry. But the, hey, if we were playing the chess game, you know, with the timer, Chris has already had 12 minutes, and we gave Gary 90 seconds, and Chris interrupted him. So. Yeah, so I want to talk. You know, like let, let's let's focus on that a minute. So we got this okay. itinerant preacher. In Colossians 2, you know, Paul says, like, like, don't let people deceive you about, you know, keeping feast days and, and you know, uh, denying your body things and, yeah. all, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, the like, substance is Christ. Yeah, yeah, none of that stuff really matters, right? Well, so and that's what you have. There was a Colossian heresy there because they were involving at least three different religions right. into what they were trying to teach the uh-huh. church. And that's why Paul, in writing this letter about the all-sufficient, all-supremacy, of Christ. Christ. Now, Galatians is the all-sufficiency of Christ. Right. Colossians is the supremacy of Christ. Right. Where Ephesians is the church of Christ. Yeah, I, I just always remember and Ephesians is the, about the church of Christ, and Colossians is about the Christ of the church. Right. That's, that's the way I put it in my mind. Yeah. And so you have these, not everybody was a rabbi. Right. So was it okay to be poor? I mean, like, yeah. you know, like today, look at the way the kids dress. Like all of a sudden, it's all it's it's cool to be white trash. You know, I mean, well, you know, you, it's it's all of a sudden it's the you know everybody wants to wear Carhartt stuff until it's time to do Carhartt stuff, and then it's like, uh, I'm really not a Carhartt crowd. Well, I don't know of any of the rabbis would have cut their jeans to walk around <laughs> barefooted. I mean, right? Uh, like like our wives wear wore, wore out britches. I'm not you know, talking about that. And, and, <laughs> but, you know, they wear britches with holes in them. But yeah. when I wear britches with holes in them, I need to put something else on. But it's okay for my wife to wear wore out britches. She got better looking knees than you do. Okay, I'll give you that. You know, uh, though I've never seen your wife's knees. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the the, the okay. you know, so we got these itinerant guys, right? So is it okay? Is this cool? You know, to, they're fine to, because they they have given up their possessions, their stuff, to be a teacher. Is that is that why Jesus says? Uh, if you want, you know, go sell what you have, give to the poor, take and come and follow me. Is that is that what he's speaking about? Well, uh, personally, I th- I happen to think there's more to it than that, even Bob, because what's the very first commandment? To love the Lord your God with oh, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. strength right. Okay, right. here's this young man has said, "I've done all this from my youth up." And Jesus right. says, "Okay, yeah. go sell all you have, get rid of it." And the man says, "Walked away." How to say the man walked away sorrowful for he was very wealthy. Yeah, he had many possessions. What? Yeah, he had not even obeyed the very first commandment. Right, and right. so, you know, everything we have. We talked about this. I think it was today or yesterday that everything we possess belongs to God. Right, it, yeah. it's just in our stewardship, and we're mm-hmm. supposed to be good stewards. Right, but if wise is the man who recognizes that all good gifts come from God. Right, and it's not of our own doing or merit. Right on my prayer list in the front of my Bible or my prayer list I have here, underneath things for which I'm thankful, my last thing is my stuff, <laughs> because I wouldn't have been smart enough to get that on my own. Right, it was by God's grace. So an, an itinerant or a rabbi, itinerant means you know just for traveling around, going different places. Right. Remember, a rabbi's number one purpose is to further his teaching to get followers to further his message. So this is a, a construct of many uh, hand-me-downs then. Right. Right? So 
So in, in, in the way you painted the picture, it's almost like some guy just decides, you know what, I think I'm going to do this, right? But that's not well, the way it would have worked. No, as a matter of fact, you, there's a great distinction shown. If you remember Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, you remember the last part of chapter 7? And the people were astounded at his teaching, for he thought taught as one having authority and not as the scribes or the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Okay, the practice was to become a rabbi, to make disciples, a disciple when he had grown to maturity mm-hmm. and had his rabbi's confidence, the rabbi would ordain, that's a modern word, but it's yeah. set in mm-hmm. place, give him a rashut and a charge. A rashut would be like an ordination certificate. Yeah, like like and, Bob's dog over there has got pedigree papers. There you I go. I reckon you ain't got a mutt, do you, Bob? Um, no, he's full, full-blooded German shepherd. So it's, but, it's pedigree. And he's is. got the teeth to prove it. <laughs> But the thing is, then when that person would go out and teach, he would teach and appeal. He would say these things and then appeal according to Rabbi Chris, who was taught by Rabbi Bob, who was taught by Rabbi Gamaliel. That yeah, sounds a lot more Paul, official. Paul gives those. Paul gives the credentials to learn at the feet of Gamaliel, right? That, that's right. That would have credentialized him. That's that's right, and that adds credibility. So where did this come from? I mean, you know, there's there is this is a New Testament thing, but where did this originate? So you got all of a sudden this rabbinical priesthood, you know, that we're going to pedigree as essential. You know, like Bob's dog Bear. You can look up. I, I've I've had a couple of AKC dogs, and it would it would give their what do you go back three generations on a Bob or something like that? Ain't that what you do? I, I don't know. But either way, you can't just you can't just declare it to be AKC. You know, there's right. got to be some kind of way, you know, that you can go backwards and know. And so, where did this where did this, you know, where was the evolution of this from? How did we get here? You know where we're at. Well, I don't know where it began. Mm-hmm. I do know that we find that there are rabbis teaching at least 200 years before Jesus. And that's just when we started, we, we found the records for it. That's right. But yeah. they just kind of come on the scene in those records. It's not like you know, there's an easing into the water, so to speak. They, When we start reading about those in historical record, they come on the scene as if it's already happening. You know, just like if, if we started talking about um, cars, right? We were just going to start writing about cars. You know, we would write about them. We wouldn't even worry about the history of the car. Yeah, the beginning of it. We wouldn't be talking about Henry Ford and the Model T. Yeah, we would just, say, you know, I'm going to go. in my car and start right, driving. Exactly. Yeah, well, and you pull your mic a little closer to you if you don't mind. A lot of these things take place, a start, have their beginnings in that Persian period or the intertestamental period where you have where the priest having the authority given to him, if you remember, uh, that the priest was given the authority of, how, how is Ezra, how's it say in Ezra? He had even had the power of life and death right. as well as sitting in charge of these things like that and setting people over that. Mm-hmm. So you have... And again, back then, even you have the beginning of the usage great one mm-hmm. or Ravi or rabbi mm-hmm. at the time. is by the time of Christ has come primarily mean great teacher mm-hmm. or insightful teacher that's given there. Mm-hmm. So where it began, I have not found. Mm-hmm. We do find that there are disciples of people at least 200 years before Christ being right. referred to. Mm-hmm. And so... When John comes on the scene, it's just, it's a, it's already a common practice, right? And but not everybody was recognized as being a rabbi. So when let, let's talk, let's use John for example. Okay. You know, John kind of steps on the landscape, 
And, you know, John's there. You know, he's Jesus's cousin, half cousin, however you want to say it, you know, but he's his cousin. Uh, John the Immerser. Yeah, John the Immerser. And the so John steps on the scene, and, you know, he's got – he becomes his rock star prophet to Israel again. You know, all of a sudden there's a prophet, and he starts amassing disciples. And he's considered to be by many Elijah because he came in the style of Elijah, the fiery preacher. The- yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I had a Bible study with a guy last week, and we were discussing this very thing, you know, because, you know, did John, was John uh, uh, Elijah? Well, yes, but no, right? And, and and that's why you see that, like in Matthew 16, I suppose, you know, verse 13, it says, Come to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, begin to ask his disciples, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Right. Some say Elijah, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. You know, right. those three guys are kind of like their... MVP prophets at this point, you know, Elijah, the, you know, second Kings 18, is that where, you know, where the, the, uh, prophets of Baal and rain and mm-hmm. fire down and, and Jeremiah is the, the weeping prophet, you know, that, that heralds this great message of, of the remnant and the new covenant and all that stuff. And then here's John that comes on the scene and he kind of embodies Elijah and Elijah never dies. Well, you also you, have to remember that the first century Jewish people, we're anticipating. Now, you already know your intertestamental issues that you have no king of the descendants of David on the throne. Right. After Zerubbabel, it goes out. Right. You have an but, appointed you have an appointed priest by Rome at this point then. High priest, yes. Yeah, high priest, right. Who's bought the position. Right, right. And it's a political position at this point. At it's this not a point. it's not a religious position, you know, while in some capacities, yes, but it's it's not an ordained by God thing at this point. Right. And so you have, by this time, you have the position, I mean, by this time you have the position not only of the priest, but you have the prophet coming on. There's not been a prophet. Josephus says there had not been any word from God mm-hmm. for hundreds of years. And yeah. so when John the Baptist comes on the scene, he is seen as a prophet. He's recognized as a prophet. But understand that in the Jewish mind in the first century, they were anticipating Elijah, whether the real Elijah to come back from a fiery yeah. chariot mm-hmm. or... And, and that's due to the fact that Elijah never died. Right. You know, I mean, so like, that's why Melchizedek is used, right? That that you're a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, you know, yeah. without beginning and end. That's right. The scriptures don't write Melchizedek out of the story. You That's know, it. like, like, like they don't really write Elijah out of the story in the sense of like the, you know, Samuel breathed his last, you know, David breathed his last and went the way of all the world, you know, all those things, Elijah, right. you know, so Elijah is depicted as this guy that's going to reincarnate to some degree. And they are expecting Elijah to come back as a, if I can say like a general, right? Just come back and set in order and make straight the way. And he is going to vacate Rome out of Israel. The forerunner. And he's, he's a forerunner. And yeah, that in, in Malachi, you know, Malachi says that. And, and arguably, you know, Malachi, we know is the last book of the canonization, you know, uh, there in the Old Testament. But kind of those last words in, in the book of Malachi, they just, they pretty much say those things. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the father and the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. 
Israel was expecting Elijah to come as a general to clear the land, get everything straightened out, and that when Messiah came, he would come as of David or as of Solomon to sit on the throne and reign. So when you have Malachi's prophecy there that he's going to come, he's going to get everything straightened out. Lest when the Lord comes, Messiah comes, there's going to be a house cleaning. Right. And so Elijah comes on the scene. He says, make straight the way. Make straight the way. Get it straightened out. And he's the first one that we have recorded saying what? Repent. Right. Be baptized. Right. For the king. For remission of sins. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so with him teaching this, there is a heightened looking. Matter of fact, what's Simeon staying around the temple for? Yeah, he's waiting. Waiting. What's Anna doing Same around thing. the temple? Bird dogging. And so the prophetess, yeah. And people are expecting Messiah to show up on the scene. They knew time. that during the Roman Empire it was going to come. I mean, Daniel well, 2. Daniel 2. You know, that's this prophet. That. Yeah, exactly. It's not like this stumped them. You know what I mean? It's not like yep. they're like, well, you know what I mean? like, And here's something that is, you know, like we agree, or, you know, uh, I say we, really smart people agree, period, that the... Um, those kingdoms represented in Daniel 2, that no, there's no disparity there. You understand oh, what I'm saying? There's no doubt. It explains it itself, and it's revealed itself. So. Yeah, and so like even theologically, even though we would disagree with a lot of people on theology, almost everybody agrees that, that the Romans were the last one, the iron and clay there that, that Daniel mentions in 244, in the days of these kings, you know. And so they knew. Well, I think the biggest conflict that some people have is when that rock comes out of mountain not carved with hands and crushes the feet and then grows to fill the whole earth some don't have the understanding that's the kingdom of god that's right it's i'm growing. just saying that the the iron and clay yeah right. we we understand that that kingdom is the one that christ built that his kingdom that he established that's the one there was not another human kingdom that was a spiritual kingdom that was there absolutely it, the mountain that came out but the iron and clay feet was rome and they rome. knew it right so they knew that that Rome was the one that they were waiting on. So John is here during the time of Rome. You know, all these things are, are you know, lining up. Hebrews 11, 1, faith is substance and evidence, right? All these things God had said, all these things that God had promised had happened, and they had happened. And so they can they can look back historically and see all these things, and they knew that during this time. So so we have John, this guy that, that starts amassing disciples. So what would it look like as a person, John? Let's use John before we use you know, the Lord, uh, you know, what would it look like for somebody to disciple somebody, John discipling? So John meets Alan over here, right? And he's going to disciple Alan. What would it look like for John to disciple Alan? Well, first of all, it would have been Alan coming to John and asking to follow him. Okay. Jesus draws a distinction. He says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Hmm. Now, with John. So Alan, what's the significance of that? Because that's a, that's a sermon point. <laughs> it is a very good sermon point, is that God is the one who has called us. We didn't make our calling. We didn't call him to be our Lord. He chose us. Mm. He called called his apostles. He called his disciples. I called you out of the world. It's not like your choice was by accident. Yeah, he he chose he chose the you know the the first four, you know, come come follow me. He called them out of the boat and then he uh you know, he went by the tax office. He sees Matthew sitting there, and he says, "Follow me." And uh, and so there's a so that is you know that's very significant thinking about Jesus calling them. And and on the Elijah part too, 
you know, Jesus clears it up in there in Matthew 17 after he's transfigured and, and his disciples, you know, they, they, they asked him in, in Matthew 17, 10, why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Ultimately, Jesus is going to tell them that, that Elijah has come and that was John the Baptist. Right. And so verse 11, then Jesus answered and said to them, indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the son of man is also about to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. And so, uh, so John the Baptist was, was that Elijah and they were the, the scribes and the Pharisees rejected him. Rejected. So, so John, so let's just use John's model then. Okay. You know, John's model, Alan wants to come to, to John Chris wants to come to John to be discipled, right? Yeah. So is it because they're hearing John's message? Is it because John has something to promise them? Is it, what is it? What, it, what they, would be the appeal? They would have bought ain't money. <laughs> no, it's not. They would have uh, been touched by what he had to say. They would have seen it as an eternal message. And so that's why the tax office, the boats, they got up and left their nets. They got up and left the tax office to come and follow they are abandoning, they are giving up their former self to come and be a follower. Now, here's the key thing, and I mentioned this last night that's so important. A disciple wants more than anything else to be like his rabbi. That's Luke 6.41, right? Like, look at Luke 6.41. Uh, 40, 6.40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Yeah. That's, that's what you're talking about, that's, right? That's it. And that's now when you and Alan start to follow John, it's not only going to be listening and taking notes about this sermon. Right. It's noticing how did John respond when somebody questioned him, when somebody challenged him, when somebody abused him, when somebody disagreed with him. How did John respond? So you and Alan are going to be picking up and saying, oh, that's how you do that. You know, I got to stand in your shop, and I got to watch you do something, and I thought, huh. You know, uh, Bob, I was privileged to go into Chris's shop, and he mounted a rail onto a, a rifle for me. And I thought Amen. that. Amen. And I, I, I thought it'd be a simple, th I, I thought I wasn't going to put him out at all. And I, I just came if you could mount this rail so I could put this new scope on. I got a scope given to me. So he, I thought he'd be drilling two holes in the top of the rifle barrel and mounting this Picatinny rail. Yeah, you and you and me think a lot alike, Gary, and then we get in there, and then he's got this machine and these lays, and next thing you know, metal chips are flying and things are coming off, and I'm going, he's ruining my gun. And the next thing you know, it's like it all fits perfect. I mean, we're talking about a six-inch rail. Uh, picked any rail, and he has, he has he has drawn it on a screen with CAD program and measured with mics, mic meters to determine exactly not only where the hole is, but how deep the hole, how wide the hole, uh, how deep he has to take and inset the counterbore. The counterbore. I mean, and it took him forty-five minutes to get all the numbers when the whole project was done, done. Now, when he when he did it, 
when it's done, you know it turned out perfect. But right. I'm thinking, huh. And so when I asked him about it, I said, I'm sorry it's taken so much time. I said, I, I did not expect this to be a chore for you. And you know his graciousness. You said, oh, it's no problem yeah. at all. And he was very gracious yeah, Luke, and kind. Luke 1710. Yeah, right? I, I really appreciate that. But I learned a lot that you don't just go in because I asked him. I asked him that. If you remember, I asked you that question. How come you just couldn't put the rail up there and take a magic marker and stick down there so where you wanted the holes to go and then drill it out to where it would take the screw? And he, he taught me. And I thought, wow, I'm sure glad I didn't try this on my own. Well, <laughs> yeah. the same thing. Yeah, when so, you yeah, and so Alan, Gary showed up, Gary showed up wanting a Picatinny rail, but you know, on his gun and he left with the sermon and that's, that's what you do. That's what you do at Chris's shop. Hey, don't, for, don't have you, I'm sure you remember the, the level lesson with the levels. Oh yeah. Okay. I got, I got that lesson too. And so, yeah, don't, don't well, I just don't took your, I just took your, you know, Bob, I, I've said it once. I've said it a thousand times. You know, you, you taught me you pour into people when you're with them and then you pour out when you're not, you know? So, so while Gary's with me, we just pour into each other. And right? I appreciate it. I do appreciate it so much. And so it's not a hard but, thing to, you know, for me to spend hours and hour working on it, but it's because also I love doing it. Right. And so it's not a hard thing for me to do that. Cause I love it. And so is this, you know, when we go back to this John thing, well, you, you know, and Alan watch walking with John, you are sucking up all of who he is, what he's not only what the sermon was like, and it's not like I just gave you a sermon outline or right. John just gave his disciples a sermon outline. Right. Yeah. I mean, this, here's, this is how you handle when the Pharisees come and they're standing there watching and John's saying, who warned you, you brood of vipers, go back and show forth fruits of repentance. They're saying, Whoa, that's no way of getting disciples. Is it? But they're, they're learning, they're picking up. Yeah. And, and so not only learning the answers, but learning how to answer, learning the context, learning, Jesus or, or John's compassion or lack of compassion or, you know, where, where is he drawing lines at? How is, what's his tone like when he's, when he's speaking and there's, you know, the, it's real easy for people, I think that could miss this, but once you understand that there's a fellowship of a, of one, of kind of a one rabbi, it, it can, and I have more questions on that too, but you know, John one, uh, 35 again the next day john stood with two of his disciples looking at jesus as he walked he said behold the lamb of god the two disciples heard him speak and they followed jesus right that's uh that's that's you know interesting so those guys would have transitioned from following john well john had already john had already told him i must decrease and he must increase well yeah he's gonna say that in john 3 30. And, well, uh, so, so you, by the time you get to John 13, Jesus says, you know, what's that? Uh, love one another. By this, right. all men will know. A new commandment I've given to you that you love one another. And by this, all men will know your mind. That you have love one another. You know, how do we love one another? As I have loved you. Uh, John chapter uh, 13, when he's in the upper room. And he says, if I, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, so ought you to wash one another. It's not just teaching doctrine. Yeah, I've given you an example that you should follow. That's right. And so how do you serve? How do you, you know, like you're doing here at KW, you're taking and helping people not only know, hear, confess, repent, and be baptized and live faithful. You're helping them to say, now, how do you teach somebody? You know, it's what Paul was to say in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. 
when Paul told the young evangelist Timothy, Be thou therefore strong in the faith, my son, and the things which thou hast heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit thou unto faithful people who will be able able to teach teach. others also. And so 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 that brings my question is okay, if 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 you're going to commit things to faithful men who are able to teach also, that means technically they would be considered a teacher, right? Well, doesn't the Holy Spirit say by this time ye ought to be teachers in two places of the New Testament? Yeah, yeah so, 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 so let's clarify that because, because there's, a, there's a, a spot where Jesus says, and this is, what people, this is what people will say to me, guys like me and Chris, who we're trying to get people to teach, teach the gospel, and they'll say, well, doesn't Jesus say, let not call no one your what? your teacher and so for you have one who's your teacher uh and so let me kind of give you some context and then gary maybe you can help us uh maybe you can come and 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 help us with uh you know with the context so i think it's in matthew uh 23 yeah matthew 23 so that's a that's a pretty rough chapter too oh yeah he's (laughs) He's been eating lunch, so to speak, <laughs> eating people's lunch. <laughs> Jesus has been chewing tail. Seven <laughs> woes there, isn't it? Yeah. Woe to you, scribe of Pharisee. Um, so 23.8, you know, he's he's right in the middle of this. There's going to be some woes after this. You know, verse 6. So people, people who who we love right now that find it a challenge of being a servant of God. They find it a challenge to when, whenever, you know, Chris comes and talks to somebody at KW and he's like, come on, won't you help me teach this? Or won't you learn how to teach? And then they're like, well, and I'm not saying any specific thing. I'm just saying that we hear sometimes from people, they're saying, Hey, not many of you should be called teachers, you know, because here's what Jesus said. So Jesus is chewing tail in the middle of this, but, Verse six, they, he says, they love the best places at the feast, the best seats in the synagogues. Verse seven, greetings in the marketplaces and to be called by men, rabbi, rabbi, but you do not be called rabbi for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth, your father for no, for one is your father. He is in heaven. Verse 10, and and do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. So can you help us kind of clarify the New Testament Christians today? What why should why should why does one scripture say by now you should be teachers? And then Jesus says, Don't be called teachers. So maybe you can help us with some context there. Okay, the context, look to whom he's speaking. The Pharisees are the key hearers uh, of the multitude spoke to the multitude of disciples saying he goes through this look at the word let's start with the word rabbi uh word rabbi is actually two words that come the word rav we find this being used 200 years before the time of christ uh it was used of landowners property owners uh business owners uh rav means great in hebrew uh v v i represents one and if you put two V's together, it's the great one. And so here you have what Jesus is illustrating here. Don't be called great one, great one, uh, which is, again, by the first century, was being used as teacher also. 
but it still had the same meaning. Uh, for example, and Gary, just just so you know, too, just for your mic's sake, if you're looking at Chris, I can see you clearly. Just okay. for your mic, you can just talk like you're talking to Chris. It's fine. Okay. And so when you put the two V's together for great one, it becomes two B's. So it becomes rabbi. By the time of Christ, and you find this probably uh, starting to be used more about 100 B.C., but continuing on, it's referred to teachers as those who were better educated or those who were teaching or educating someone, training someone. And so looking at the context there of verses 6 through 9 of Matthew chapter 23, when Jesus is speaking to the multitudes and he's speaking Pharisees, as you'll hear him woe later, is he's saying don't go after the things of prestige, of honor, of being held in high esteem. Why? I think it falls back on, do you remember when Moses claimed God's glory? What God told Moses, he could not enter into the promised land. Why? Oh, excuse me. He said he would not lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. Why? The actual literal text there says, because you did not glory me before the people. Moses had gotten in the way of God getting the glory. Yeah. That's why Jesus was to say in the New Testament over there, oh, in chapter 5, he said, Let your light so shine before me that others may see your good works and glorify God who is in heaven. Here mm -hmm. in 23, Jesus is saying, Don't put yourself up on that pedestal. Don't walk around wanting to be called rabbi or great teacher or honored one. And, you know, that's one of the things that, if we're going to get personal here, that's one thing that some preachers have problems with today. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. more important that they're recognized as being proper of the proper echelon or the proper graduate of the proper school. It's fun being at the bottom, ain't it, Bob? No, no, we, we bottom of the barrel. So I mean, Gary, well, I've got a Gary, preacher you friend. Watch out when we publish this thing. I mean, you, you've been on two podcasts with us now. So, well, man, I've, I've got a preacher friend of mine who graduated from a t particular preaching school, and he believes that because he came from that school, he may not have the opportunities that preachers who came from other schools or other universities. Yeah, now, and he, he may be right. I, I have, I, you know, it doesn't matter. He, he believes it. And so there's that belief mm -hmm. that it's taking place. Jesus is saying, this is not about your broad phylacteries and your long tassels, zit, zit. This is about living. This is about you recognizing who God is and how you are serving him. So when you do this, look there on down. But you do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ. Where do you point the finger? To the Christ. And you are all brethren. Do not call anybody your on earth your father. Is he saying you, you have to use the word daddy and not father when you're looking up at your papa? No. no, I don't think so. I believe in the context he's saying father was Father Abraham of some great esteem, something like that. Now, are we supposed to honor one another? Of course we are. I mean, sure. Honor those to whom honor is given. I mean, that's, they're that's scriptural. So, I mean, that's right. But we don't walk around trying to get our affirmation from the world. Well, he, he says in verse 11, but he who, he says, if you want to know who the best one is, is he's going to be your servant. You know, so, so you know, there's a, uh, that brings up a question for me. You know, you're all brethren. You know, I, so what were the relationship between the disciples? Like, 
you know, I, I'm sorry. Let me apologize, Bob, formally. For, for forgive me because I'm sorry. He's what, not. What, 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 was it? Yes. It was one day last week. I was up one of them stupid early mornings and I was studying something and I fired off a text message and I didn't realize it was probably four thirty or five o'clock in the morning when I sent, I asked a Bible question to Bob, you know, to get his opinion on it, you know? And so, you know, I wanted to, I wanted his help with something, you know, I want him to help me, you know, kind of work through this in my mind here on something. And so what would have been the relationship? I mean, you know, I, I have confidence in Bob, you know, I've spent, you know, several years with Bob here, uh, you know, I love him and I know he loves the truth. And, and even if we might not agree, you know, on, uh, and I'm not saying I didn't agree with what you said, Bob, I'm just saying that even though we might not agree all the time, you know, we agree that we want to know the truth. You know, we, that's what we agree on is that we want to grow in whatever the, the scenario is. And so we both might still be wrong, right? But well, the disciples, first of all, were human. You have the, a zealot there, you have a tax collector there, mm-hmm. then you have other disciples who are maybe more in tune with mainstream Judaism than like those who? two. You mean like the fishermen guys? You mean the yeah. average Joes? Is that what you say? The average Joes. But see, tax collectors would have been outcast. Yeah, uh, the, they should be. <laughs> the uh, Not only the tax yeah. collector, but then you have I mean, the zealot. the zealot, right. right. He would have been more of a radical type of a individual mm-hmm. but i think An- we get anti, it anti-government right anti, really especially the sakari but one of the things you have it's an election year guys <laughs> uh, but one of the things you have there's problems between the disciples you remember even on the way to the upper room they are arguing which one among them are the greatest right and so when you come to chapter 13 now here's a little short sermon if you want to real oh, quick yeah he goes to, he goes to wash their feet and first right? well before you even get to there uh-huh. Turn over there. I want you to look at first three verses of, that of John is, 13. John 13. That is so powerful because I think it's really, come on, if I can find my. It's after. Over here. It's after Luke. After, oh, good. I'm Thank you. Before Acts. And notice here. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew his hour is coming, he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were of this world, he loved them to the end. Now, your mic, Gary. You're getting away from your mic again. Okay. Three things, three attitudes of serving, if you will, that Jesus was able to love and show humility and self-sacrificing. But why? He knew who he was. He come from the Father. He knew where he was from, and he knew where he was going. And so those three things. In yeah, verse three, read, read those things. Okay. Ah. Uh, his hour had come, he should depart from this world to the Father. He knew where he was going. Having loved his own who were of this world, he loved them to the end. And at the end, the devil, okay, we've already got verse 2 there. But we have Jesus knew that his hour had come. He knew where he was going. Yeah, verse 3 says. Who he was. Yeah, verse 3 is the punchline. Yeah. yeah. And then you have Jesus knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hand, that he had come from God and was going to God. What What, what a... I mean that that you just can't you can't get another slab of icing on a cake other than that. See right there. Mm-hmm. And now you want to know how to be a better servant. Let me tell you the same thing. Know where you came from. I was a lost sinner doomed to hell. Know where I'm going. Who I am now. I'm a sinner redeemed by the grace of God and living justified before His presence. And where am I going? I'm going to return to the Father who sent me. Amen. That enables me to go down and get down in front of you and wash your dirty feet at its worst. 
and he's given and he's given things into your hands to do and you know there was some controversy about this you know I, and i didn't actually see the commercial but we're right here post you know we're what just a few hours post uh super bowl party and you know super bowl and there's so there was a commercial on the on the super bowl that did you see that chris i i, I showed up i got there in the fourth quarter you know i just yeah. didn't i didn't yeah, I, well, I, after church i watched you know the third and fourth quarter so i've seen two quarters of the nfl you know this whole season and that was the third fourth quarter of the super bowl but uh which is uncharacteristic for me sometimes but Anyways, there was, and I have not seen it, but there's been a lot of controversy today about there was supposedly a uh, a commercial that shows washing of feet, and uh, and then, but it was what it was though is it was people today are sitting on uh, I'm going to try I don't know the best term to use, but they're sitting on the the side of saying because one of the one of the people whose feet got washed was supposedly. Um, pictures look like it's representing someone who would be a trans person. Mm-hmm. And so, and so Jesus is watching. And so the question is, is was this an agenda that says Jesus is just going to wash anybody's feet, no matter what, uh, and they can, and they're, they're in God's house. Or do we see that, that salvation is, is open to anyone. And so I, I would say that the commercial is open to interpretation. I'm not actually seeing that the, uh, the commercial itself myself but you know the there's a, there's some challenges with judas you know and but but all these guys are going to walk away from jesus and uh but but today we know the truth is is that and then this goes back to what your, your question was is what is what do people define as christianity and then what does the bible say that you need to do to become a christian and what is what is a christian uh themselves and so this, uh, anyways, I thought that was interesting that you brought up about washing the feet. And then there's some controversy today, you know, on two twelve twenty four about this exact subject of washing feet. Well, and, 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 uh, you know, when Jesus uses this credential, he doesn't say that, you know, some of our religious friends, they, they make this a religious practice, you know, that this mm-hmm. is a binding religious practice and the sense of. You know, I'm from the hills of Virginia, and, uh, you know, it was very common. You know, some people in my family went to a particular denomination, and this was a very common practice in their denomination that they would do these foot washings. My grandfather mm-hmm. preached at a church like that, and I remember being at his church and getting ready for evening service, and they were going to have a feet washing service. Right. But then I saw my granny sitting on the edge of the tub scrubbing her feet right. before service. Right. It's like you and go so to the I, dentist, you brush your teeth. So I, I, I asked her, I said, <laughs> What are you doing? She said, we're having a feet washing service. I said, then why are you washing them now? She said, I don't want my feet to stink. I said, as I read on down, Peter says, give me a full bath. And Jesus says, you don't need a full bath. It's only your feet that's dirty. Right. So, I mean, there's a whole lesson right there, too. Yeah, well, well and, and he tells them that I've left this for you as an example. So yeah. that might mean we have to wash the tranny's feet, uh, right? I mean, there may come a time where you got to wash some tranny's feet, right, Bob? You do I good mean, unto all men as you have opportunity. That, but that doesn't necessarily imply that you're accepting of what they're doing. But, you know, Jesus used fish. He used mud. He used uh, every kind of thing you can think of to get people to, to, to center their focus on him. And just as I am is not a, a an, an anthem to tolerance, but it's a plea to higher ground. 
Mm-hmm. Amen. Yep. And and that's and so so as you as you think about this in First Corinthians six, and I don't want to turn away from here, but but anybody who might be listening, you guys know First Corinthians six, kind of six through nine there that talks about you know do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, and he talks about that these this kind of this line of people that that all of us could fall into, but you have murderers, you have liars, you have people who are drunkards, you have homosexuals, you have uh, people, and so and you have thieves, and so you have all these classifications. He said, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And he says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of Jesus Christ. And so and so the idea there in 1 Corinthians 6 is he's, is he's telling them, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and so don't. And he's going to go into that. And he's like, don't, don't join the the Holy Spirit with a harlot. And he says the two is going to become one flesh. And so the idea is that you can't continue to live in sin. And and so so this can, disciple then would have to become, you know, what you're implying then, Bob, is that that there are things that you cannot do anymore. Right. That's what you're saying. Amen. That's right. You know, so make- so the idea of washing the feet of of any sinner. It doesn't matter what they look like, what they've done. This one thing that I classify when I when I go into the jail ministry with these guys is I tell them I don't care what you've done, how long you've been here, what you didn't do, who you snitched on, who snitched on you. I don't care about none of that. All I care about is trying to get you in connection with the blood of Jesus. Because and, and so the only way that you're going to get in connection that was is is through God's word, and and that is I mean that's the whole idea. And so you can go in and, and you can wash feet. But the idea is not to wash feet to continue to uh, to accept what the feet have walked on or what yeah. the feet are walking on. Well, yeah, see, that's you, where the discipleship comes in is the fact is any disciple does not want to stay where he is. He wants to conform himself to being like his rabbi. And that's what Paul said, and be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Just as I am may be where I am now, but it's not where God wants me or where I want to be. Yeah, so so the disciple then. So once we got, you know, you know, John, all these other guys, rabbinical. I mean, Nicodemus, right? He would have been a disciple, a master, right? I mean, you know, the he was a teacher of the nation. Yeah, I mean, he he kind of gets the picture painted as like one of the top dogs, you know, in Israel. Well, it is believed uh, from many historians that he was part of the Sanhedrin and was represented. If you remember, the Sanhedrin made up of seventy rulers, right? Seventy people. And it was divided into three sections. One of the sections was that of the what the scripture has to say. And the teacher of the nation, the teacher of the people, would have been the head right. of that section of the Sanhedrin. Right. And so it is believed Nicodemus was the teacher. Now, interesting in the Talmud, if you look up Nicodemus, you'll have to look up Nicodemiad up there. And it talks about what a righteous man he was and how he was eventually expelled. Yeah, well, I mean, you see that he's struggling. You know, in John 3, he's struggling with this, you know, because all of a sudden, you know, Nicodemus has been the guy. Jesus says, like, I'm, I'm talking to you about these things, and you're a teacher of Israel. You're, you've missed all the things that God was trying to help you to understand. And then you see the progress. You know, Nicodemus has got to whittle through this stuff, and he later becomes a disciple, right? Well, I mean, we have him mentioned three times in the Scripture. You have this time, then you have him before the council. Telling the council to leave him alone. If it's of God, it'll you can't fight against God. Right. And then you have that as death. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and and so you're seeing this progression of Nicodemus as you as you walk through the scriptures. Well, 
So when when John, you know, he, you know, Alan comes to me and uh, Alan and I come to John, and John, you know, kind of commissions us to go out. So Alan and I commission John. John, you know, John is commissioned by Gary. Gary's commissioned by, but Jesus does it different, right? He does. So, so Jesus, instead of instead of instead of what's the word like making uh, this attractive. Uh, scenario to where people are conducive to want to be part of it. Jesus does that, right, with his teaching, with the way he lives his life. He draws. Jesus draws his authority. Here's what the Father has told me to say. That's what I'm saying, and this is what you are to go out and to say. You don't oh, man. He didn't get it from Gamaliel. He didn't get it from any of these other. And as you think about that too, that the Apostle Paul, he's in. So this kind of goes to mine and your uh, study, Chris. Is he's Paul was credentializing himself to the Galatians as he didn't get it from some other man. Right. He credentializes that he got it straight from the Lord. Himself. Direct deposit. And that's what he brings yeah. out in Philippians, doesn't he? That he counted everything that he had gained in life. Garbage. Garbage. Rubbish. For the excellency of the knowledge right. of Jesus. So that's, all, that's his powerful. Cred- all his former credentials, training at Gamaliel's feet, being of the tribe of Bethlehem, being a Hebrew of Hebrews, uh, a Pharisee of Pharisees. I mean, yeah, circumcised that, the eighth day. All that stuff don't matter compared to him just knowing so, more about Jesus. Ah, uh, yeah. L- l- let me ask this too: Is this going to bubble up too with the, with this whole discipleship thing? Whenever Paul is correcting those at, at Corinth, saying. Some say I am of Paul. Some say I'm of. of yeah, Paul. I had that Some in my Bible. You know, my blue ribbon right here. You know that. I beat you, Chris. I beat you to the teacher. Sorry, <laughs> I beat you to the question. I just wondered, was that a carryover of that? Yeah, is that yeah, Gary? What's the an what's echo the take on that? Well, the king, the thing you want to remember, especially with First Corinthians, the key theme, the central theme of all First Corinthians is unity of the body, and it brings out I think seven different areas where Paul focuses on the unity of the Corinthian church. But notice what Paul does, even in dealing with that in chapter 1, some of this, some of that, he brings it back to the one rabbi, Mm, the great rabbi. The Christ. Did Jesus, did I die for you, or did Jesus die for you? Right. Were you you baptized in the name of Paul? Right. He uses uses those, those words there. So, when, so, so is that why Paul says, I'm thankful that I didn't baptize some of you? Yeah, he's, I, not, except, he's not saying that they didn't get saved. He's saying that I'm just glad that you're not drawing your credentials from Paul, but that's from Jesus. It. I believe that is it, brother. Yeah, that's why he says, I didn't baptize any of it, Crispus and Gaius, and that's in Acts 18. You know, and if there's any others, I can't remember. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, but He it, wasn't making followers of Paul. That's right. He, he, was, he was immersing people into Christ so that they could then become this new creation, right? Translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. So then when Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're not dis- they're not disciples. They're not uh, following Rabbi Paul. Right. They're following Jesus. Following Jesus. And, and really, you and think he, he says all authority's been given to me. Verse mm-hmm. eighteen. Yes. In that same context, you know, like like I'm superseding everything you've ever heard. Uh, there's no matter what you think you're going to come up with, like in the tra- the Mount of Transfiguration, where Moses and Elijah are talking with Jesus, and Peter's like, "Well, do we build a tabernacle of them?" And they're like, "God's just like Peter, no." 
This is my beloved son. You listen to this guy. This is the guy you need to listen to now. Moses and Elijah were talking with Jesus. He wasn't talking with them. This is this is the guy you need to listen to from here on out. Isn't that what Hebrews tells us? Yeah, one one. You know, it, you know, these last days has spoken to us through his son. That's right. Mm-hmm. So let me ask this: uh, Is that um, my mind just went blank? <laughs> I hate it when that happens. But as you as you think about uh, these these passages with with uh, with Jesus and and Paul when he's he said, I'm a, oh, have you ever thought about this? Um, Probably not. When Jesus, when Jesus said, this goes, you know, the, all the people who think that, that Jesus is not God, God is not Jesus, you know, who's the Holy Spirit, how is all this put in? You notice that Jesus, he said, go and baptize them in the name of, Mighty it's the one name. Yep. Right. Uh, and so when so when some people get confused on the the fact that that uh, Paul ba- Paul told them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you know, in, in Acts nineteen, he commanded them to be you know in the name of Jesus. And then also, uh, whenever Peter says, you know, in Acts two thirty eight, they're like, well, why didn't why didn't Peter say repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Uh, but he just says in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins is that we would understand is that was the one name. But but you said, you know, the, in speaking that, that is the the name of. Yeah, that and, is. Uh, that's singular. That puts them all in the same camp. Puts by them the, all in the same camp. By the authority. I mean, how many times did Jesus say, I and the Father are one? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is something that I hadn't thought about to you. We just started talking about this. Help me understand the significance. Help, help expound on this a little bit. You know, the all these, you know, rabbinical people, you know, they were kind of. Uh, so um, in modern Christendom, right, there's a lot of appeal to the drama. There's a lot of appeal to the the, the theatrics or whatever, right? You feelings. Know, yeah, yeah, feelings, emotions. So mm-hmm. a lot of these preachers and stuff like that, they would have been tasked with, to some degree, to be able to stir the emotions of the people in order to have this appealing type of message in some way, whether it was through reason or logic or emotion or whatever, and so that they could then amass followers, right? But but you you said something I had never thought of before, and I, and I begin to think, you know, like Acts 2 and verse 39, and this promises to you and to your children, whomsoever far off, whomever the Lord God may call. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 14, Paul says, we're called by the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he writes to the to the saints and called, which are in Christ Jesus. You can read in Acts 18, 8 and 9, how these people having, the Corinthians, many having heard and believed and were baptized. You can see that this calling that we get from, Peter says, make your calling and election sure. You know, all those, explain to me then the significance of, is this another way that God is trying to show and illustrate he's bridging? He is the one that's reaching out to us to bridge this relationship that we fractured with sin. See, I, I'm convinced that there's a teaching out there that is only certain, they have an unconditional election. There's only certain people who are going to be saved, who are called. Everybody else is just going to be hell fodder. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the stressing there, that when Jesus says, as we said, talked earlier, Bob, that I called you. We have all those verses that you just referenced that God calls us, and we're told to make our election and calling sure. Then that means we were we are to respond 
to that calling. Now, I know there are some people who talk about a supernatural. I heard a bird in my ear who told me, you're called to go do this. But the scripture, if you look at the word, the scripture is what calls us. Right. That's how God calls people today. Right. If you want to become a Christian, you're listening to this podcast, and you're not a child of God, then the word of God calls you. Jesus calls you. God calls you through his word. There's no other way to get to God but through his son, Jesus. And how do we know more about Jesus? That's that pertaining to life and godliness Peter speaks of. Second Peter 1, through 3. true knowledge right. of mm-hmm. him. How do we get that true knowledge? By no other way than his word. Uh, you can. I got my preacher. I got this book. Or I have the. The fact is, Jesus said that when the day comes, we're going to be judged according to His sayings. The words which I have spoken, the same will judge Him in the last day. Revelation twenty-one. When the books are opened, know assuredly that one of those books. I, I I know assuredly. I'm confident that one of those books is going to be the Word of God, the perfect law of liberty, as James would call it, uh, as well as the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah, and just to clarify, for somebody takes a sound bite out, um, Gary, you're 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 convinced that uh, that Calvinism is false teaching, right? The tulip doctrine is false teaching. Right? I agree. I, I believe that it is the way that it is publicly perceived. Now, Chris and I were talking, and there's a way that we can look at the tulip and consider those five tenets, but the way Mr. Calvin presented the teaching of unconditional election and total depravity mm-hmm. and oh, limited, limited atonement, the way it was presented. Yeah, we did a whole series on it here. It's contrary to what the Bible teaches. Right. It's, yeah. Jesus says, God says, if any man will come unto me. Oh, you know, God so loved the world. That, yeah. Yeah, whosoever. <laughs> right. Yeah, so in, in Acts 2 there, that it's it's open to you, your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will, will call. Well, we're called through the gospel, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so, anyways, I just wanted to clear that up because you did what me and Chris do sometimes. is, is you, you said, I'm convinced, and anyways, you can go back and look at it, that this doctrine or whatever, and then you went on to kind of speak about what you believe, but I just didn't want anybody to yeah, you know, we, we, throw you we, out we, of the brotherhood. Yeah, okay. no, and, and it's really just because we want to be explicitly clear. Bob does this to me constantly, so don't that, feel bad. Oh, I'm, I'm I do not, this all the fine. time. I, I talk as an as a known because I, I, I've done we've done this podcast so many times that it's yeah. just Bob and I having a conversation, you know. Right. So. But see, Gary, you know, Chris is so explicitly detailed when it comes to his work. You know, he's getting out micrometers and levels that will split a hair 15 times. And, you know, I'm, my work, I'm like quarter inch. It's like, oh, well, nobody will see that part. It'll be okay. Molding, yeah. molding will cover that. Well, that's up. what I told Gary when he said, why can't we use a Sharpie? I said, because I'm a machinist and not a carpenter. <laughs> right. But then sometimes, but then sometimes we all can get a little lax in our conversation and think somebody knows what we're saying. And right. we and knew what you were saying. I just want to make sure. So, I'm here to protect you too, brother. So let's talk about the, you know, because we're about to, we're running out of time here, you know. Yeah. So let's just, let, let's, you know, Gary, and I hate to get you to aggregate something down, you know, to boil it down, condense it, whatever, to, to a thing. What what would, if you were to try to sum up what Jesus was trying to teach us with discipleship, you know, from from all the 
the cultural, you know, baggage that came into discipling, and then Jesus steps on the scene, and he, I mean, really, that was just the the norm of the day. You know, it, it could have been any other thing. It could have been apprentice. You know, I mean, you know, I, I had an apprenticeship program I had to go through where there was 8,000 hours that I had to put in to get my journeyman's card. I mean, you know, that's the same thing to some degree as this. It could have been anything. Jesus just used kind of the the cultural norm to to um, the idea of discipling, you know, that they were there. So if, if you're going to take this down and you're going to bowl it, you're going to have to give a few sentences on it. What would you say that the ultimate theme of, of Jesus and trying to get those disciples to become? And then what is it that Bob and Chris and Ben, who's back from his, you know, retreat or meeting or whatever, and Alan, you know, in the room with us now, what would you say uh, that, that Jesus is trying to teach? Did I say that good, Bob? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of modern translations and writers will take and try to eliminate the word disciple and put in learner because to be a disciple is a constant learning process. But it's not just an intellectual ascent that we are called to. It is we're taking what we have, what we're learning, what we're knowing, and then imparting it to others. And so that we are constantly being called to conform ourselves to Christ to let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. We are being called to be Christ-like. And being Christ-like does not keep yourself in a cupboard with the door closed. It is sharing it, giving it to others. That's what we find in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. And those who were scattered abroad went everywhere doing what? Preaching, Proclaiming, preaching, teaching. What is the difference they have? People say, well, you know, I, I can't do it. I can't. Everyone who's a child of God can tell somebody else what they did to become a Christian. Right. And you may not be able to have all the verses at the top of your head, or maybe you need to write them down on a piece of paper, but you can surely say, here's what I did, and come study with Chris with me. Well, the thing about those guys in Acts 8, they didn't have a Bible. That's it. They just had a message to carry out. And so what you're saying then is that... Uh, well, in Acts the- chapter 8, you have the Ethiopian nobleman, and Philip does what? Starting where he was. Right. So you're mm-hmm. saying then, if we're going to boil it down as we kind of stitch it up, is that a disciple was never just about somebody that was getting ready, right? No. I mean, it, was, were, it, was, it was somebody that was fixing to go. How many times did Jesus send out his disciples? Not right. just the 12, but sent them out limited commission. Right. He sent them out different times. How many times did he have Jesus telling them, set the people down mm-hmm. for dinner? Right. I mean, how many people, I mean, yeah, he was compassionate about it because they'd spent three days with him and they had nothing to eat. And right. it's like, okay, I'm going to feed him after three days. And, you know, that's kind of the – the people had, had rebuked uh, – I remember early on when dealing with the with the benevolent program there at KW that they were saying, well, that's not benevolence if you're, if you're feeding – you know, if you're feeding people only after they have a Bible study. Well, you tell me what Jesus' benevolence program was. They followed him for three days, you know, and then he's going to sit down and feed them something. Well, didn't and, he turn around later and say the only reason you're saying this is because you ate the bread? Right. <laughs> and the loaves, right, yeah, loaves and the fish. And, and yeah, that was John 6. And then, guess what? Many of them went back and followed him no more when they weren't on the handout program. So, in other words, as a stitch it up, we're ready to, to, to stop it in a second is that being a true disciple of Jesus is not about what's in the book, right? But it's about what the book tells me to do. Me conforming to the will that God has put in his book, yes. Amen. Hey, we appreciate you guys. We'll catch you next week.